0: In the book of Genesis, Simon, the sermon title this morning is The Blessing of Abraham. The Blessing of Abraham. Genesis chapter 18 is going to be our focus. 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Isn't that an interesting verse? Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? what does that tell you about the relationship that God had with Abraham? That God would think twice about, I'm about to do something and I'm God, right? And he says, he asked that question. He said, shall I hide from my servant Abraham what I'm about to do? I find to be, Quite a curious question that that he cared so much for Abraham and for Abraham's feelings and so on and so forth that he decided I should tell my servant Abraham what I'm about to do. Now, you know, we talked about that a few weeks ago as to where this text is wrapped and it has to do with the eventual destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's really not our focus today. But if we read on to the very next Verse in verse 18, God says, predictively, says this since Abraham shall surely become what great. a great and a mighty nation, and then he says, This all the nations of the earth shall be what blessed, blessed in him. Now we know that if you go back a few chapters to Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, we read this. Get out of your country, from your fa- or from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you, chapter 12 verse 1 says. And then verse 2, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be what? A blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Abraham believed God. He took God at his word and he went. Abraham was 75 When God spoke those words to him. In chapter 18 that we were just reading. Abraham is nearly 100. 25 years later. God is going down to visit Sodom and Gomorrah and he speaks and he says, shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I was, I'm about to do? For surely Abraham's going to become a great nation. Why? Because I promised. I promised him that if he would follow me and if he would do as I said and go where I said to go, that I would bless him and that he would become a great nation. 25 years later, Abraham is still without child. And on the way down, God stops at his tent and he says, Sarah is going to have a baby. And within the time of months later, it's true. And Isaac is born. Shall I hide it from my servant Abraham? God had promised Abraham, and Abraham in faith went. And God kept his promise, not only to Abraham, but also to the rest of the nations. Have Abraham's descendants been a blessing to the world? Is the question. If we think of his physical descendants... It's interesting, isn't it, that they've come all of this time from Abraham still having the same faith, in a sense. Believing the same God, in a sense. Keeping God's rules, in a sense. Albeit sometimes with a skewed emphasis. Has God blessed the earth because of Abraham? Three major religions consider Abraham their father. Judaism, Christianity, Islam. All of them look back to him as their example. But their example of what? Has the rest of the world been blessed by Abraham and his descendants? James chapter two, verse 23 says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says this, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Had Abraham not believed, then he wouldn't have went. Had Abraham not gone, then he wouldn't have received. Had he not received, then all of the nations of the world wouldn't have been blessed in him. But we asked this morning, what is that blessing? What is the blessing of Abraham? What have all of the nations received? And have they? But what's really interesting is if you look At the very next verse, again, back in Genesis chapter 18, this time verse 19. Here's what it says. For I know him in order that he may what? Command his children and his household after him that they do what? Keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now, isn't that interesting? Shall I hide from Abraham? No, I shall not. Why? Because Abraham is going to become a great nation, and all of the people of the world are going to be blessed by him. And here's why. Because I know, are we listening? What's Abraham going to do? He is going to teach his children to have faith and to follow God. We just had a baby dedication. The greatest thing that any father and mother could do for their kids would be to teach their children to believe in God and to do what? Follow His ways. Isn't that right? To teach them to believe in God. And to follow his ways. How did Abraham do, by the way? How did he do? Yeah, maybe. What about Isaac? Did he believe? What about Jacob? Did he believe? Yes. Was Abraham perfect? No. Was Isaac perfect? No. Was Jacob perfect? No. And yet, God blessed Abraham. God blessed Isaac. God blessed Jacob. And God didn't just tell, tell Abraham what he planned to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. He told Abraham that one day his children would end up for 400 years in Egypt. And 400 years later, there's yet another descendant of Abraham by the name of Moses. And God, was Moses perfect? No. But God raises him up. And as he works with Moses, and as Moses takes hold of faith and begins to serve him, and God molds him and makes him after his will, He takes Moses and he sends him to liberate his people from Egypt. We pick up that story, not right there in Exodus, but instead after the 40 years of needless wandering, we we get back to the reiteration that God made in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you want to pick it up there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This time, verse 1. God had led His people out of Egypt. He took them right to the base of Mount Sinai. You know that some of them believed, but some of them didn't. You know that as a result of their not really having the faith of their father Abraham, they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. And here as they stand on the very beaches of the Jordan, in a sense, as they're standing ready to cross over into that promised place that God had promised Abraham all those years before, and God is now fulfilling in Abraham as He promised you would become a great nation As they stand on the very shores of the Jordan and Moses is now an old man and he's ready to die. He speaks to the children of Israel and he says this. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1. Now this is the commandment and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has what? Commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. In verse 2, that you may fear the Lord God to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you and your sons and your grandsons all the days of your life, and that you... Your days may be prolonged. How do you feel about this word commandment? It's interesting, isn't it? We as Seventh-day Adventists maybe have kind of a, a love dislike with this word commandment. We realize as Adventists that And we believe in God that we should keep His commandments. Amen? And yet at the same time, how many of you like to be commanded? There's this war, isn't there? Between what our heart and our mind knows we should do and what the natures that we've inherited and the culture in which we've been raised and the things that we have cultivated and been taught wars, doesn't it, inside you between knowing that God's love for us and thus God's commands for us are what's actually what? Best for us. Isn't that true? And yet at the same time in our natures we war hopefully not with all of them, but with parts of them. And we don't like, because our our culture has taught us, we don't like this word to be commanded. It says there, the fear of the Lord. And if we look in Psalms chapter 11, verse 10, you know what the verse says. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, David says. A good understanding have all of those who, what? Do His commandments. His praise endures forever. God isn't commanding for the purpose of oppressing. God is commanding for the purpose of blessing. God's commandments aren't just authoritative orders. Do this Or die. God's commandments are blessings from on high. Do this and live. Do this and not just live, but live in peace and harmony with all mankind. Solomon, the wise man, after searching out all of the vanities that the world had to offer the, the rich and famous of his day. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, you know the text too, he comes to the conclusion, he says, let's hear the conclusion of the whole entire matter. Fear God and do what? Keep his commandments. For this is man's all. Why were they to fear and keep? Back there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2. Why were they to fear and keep? Here's why. God promised that if they did, their days would be prolonged. Look a few verses later into verse 7 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 7 reads like this. You shall teach them what? Diligently to whom? To your children. And you shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, while you lie down and rise up. Teach them diligently to your children. Why? One, because our children, like us, have a nature that wants to stray from God's commands. Isn't that true? Number two, what we're not taught and what's not repeated to us often, we have a tendency to forget. God said, reiterate it, teach it over and over, bring it back home, not just what, but why. Not just how, but why. Don't just teach, don't just preach, but model. Love the Lord yourself. Right? Psalms chapter 78 reads like this. We will not hide them from our children, telling to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. For he established the testimony in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generations to come might know them, the children who will be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hopes in God and not forget the works of God. But keep his commandments. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set their hearts aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Did you catch that? What was the reason? That they don't forget. Amen? What's not repeated to us over and over and again, we have a tendency to forget. Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 4, referring back to his father David, who throughout the Psalms writes again and again and again about the blessings of God's law and the keeping of God's law, and, and pleading with God to write his law where? On his heart. David, who wasn't perfect, right? And Solomon, who wasn't perfect. Yet they loved the law. Oh, how I love thy law, David would say. Solomon in chapter 4, verse 3 of Proverbs, speaking of his father, says, for I was my father's son tender." and only beloved in the sight of my mother, verse 4, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Whose words were those? They were God's, weren't they? Let your heart, in other words, you have a choice, hold fast to my words, keep my commandments, and live. Again, in chapter 7, Solomon, being a dutiful father, as he was saying his father was to him, teaching him, Solomon also says to his son, My son, keep my words and store up my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. And keep my law as the pupil of your eye. Bind them upon your fingers. Write them upon the tablets of Your heart. I myself and generations of others since Solomon have read these stories of faith of Abraham, have read the enjoining counsels of both David and Solomon as if I were that very son. Perhaps you've done the same that Solomon was counseling. And that David was counseling. As I have pondered the things that David wrote, as I have pondered the the, the faith of Abraham, as I pondered the, the, the counsels of the wise man Solomon, and as I've engaged with those things and brought them into my heart, I have been blessed. My life has changed. My heart has changed. No greater heritage can a parent pass on to their children than to love the Lord and to follow His ways and to serve Him. This was the blessing of Abraham. So many people point to the Jews for this reason or that reason, but that isn't it. It's those who were faithful to him and who, who, who are faithful like him. Who believed as Abraham believed. Who followed as Abraham followed. The scripture tells us that Abraham's sons weren't the only ones to be blessed. Isn't that right? All the nations of the world were to be blessed. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this time verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20. When your sons shall ask you in the time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded you? You ever had anybody ask you that? What is the meaning of all these rules? What is their meaning? It's interesting, God addresses that very point. When they shall ask you, what is the meaning of all these testimonies? Look what he says next in the next verse. Then you shall say to your sons, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. So I have a question to you. How do you relate to that story? Let's think about physical Israel for a minute. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And we sort of see it in their history. That as time went on, as generationally and relationally They got further and further away from the experience of God leading the children of Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The further they got away from that generationally, the further they got away from it relationally, the more difficult it was for them personally to relate. even though God had given them the Passover to celebrate every single year, even though God had given them the commandments, even though God had said to them, repeat these things to your children over and over again. And when they ask you, what is the purpose of all these things? You will say, it is because God led us out by a mighty hand. The further they got generationally from that story, in fact, I'm going to say this, the further they got from that experience the harder it was for them to relate. I mean, as far as I know, I'm physically not a direct descendant of Abraham. Probably you aren't either. How does this story relate to you? It's interesting, isn't it? Although I can have compassion, and you probably can too, with the fact that the children of Israel were in bondage for 400 years, and, that, and I can enjoy the story of how God went in and by a mighty hand led them across and parted the sea and all of these things, right? And, and, and I can take it by faith that those events really happened, and I can accept them and, 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 and enjoy the story. What does it mean beyond that? You follow what I'm saying? Does that story connect with you? Well, if you've never been a slave in bondage and you've never been set free, probably little. Or does it? We understand that that story truly happened, but we also understand in many ways it's an illustration and and albeit, I'm going to say this, an allegory, although it's not an allegory. You follow what I'm saying? It truly happened. We understand that Moses, in type, represents who? Jesus. Therefore, Pharaoh represents whom? The adversary, the devil, right? Therefore, Egypt represents the world, right? And slavery represents sin. Moses, Jesus, comes into the world. And he says to the adversary, what? Let my people go. Now we understand that the story goes on with with all these things when Pharaoh said no and the plagues and everything and eventually those things are going to happen at the end of time. But the question comes back to you is can you relate to that story? When the children shall come and they'll say, what is the meaning of all of these rules? We were. Can you look at your children and say that? I was a slave to sin in the binding chains. I hated my sin. I sought to be free, but the chains held me. And it seemed that the the more I fought, the tighter those chains got. But light burst through the, the jail cell, as the song implies. And Jesus set me free with a mighty hand. Amen? Can you relate to that experience? You see, the greatest thing you can do is to teach your children to love and to obey God. But the greatest testimony to the power of God is a changed life. Tell your children, I was a slave in the land of Egypt, but the Lord brought me out By a mighty hand. Verse 24. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes. To fear the Lord our God. Why? Look what it says. For our good always. How do you look at God's commands? How do you look at his statutes? Do you look at them as if they are the counsel of the wisest person in the whole entire universe? That whatever God is commanding, that whatever he is saying is good for us, is indeed that, that he is our maker and that he is our redeemer and that he loves us more than anyone else. And that the advice that he's giving us in these commands is what's best for us. Think about it for just one second. Wouldn't the world be a better place if everyone in the world would not covet or steal or murder or lie or commit adultery? Wouldn't the world be a better place if every parent were honorable and every child honored their parents? Wouldn't the world be a better place if everyone loved God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength? Isn't it true that every ill that afflicts the world out there is the result of sin and the breaking of God's law? Wouldn't the world be a better place? And can that place be here? Amen? Why? For our good always. That God might preserve us alive, Moses says, as he did this day. And then he goes on in verse 25 to say this. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. What is the blessing of Abraham? Is it not his example of faith? And more than his example, his teaching of his children. Is it not his following after God's commands, and more than that, his teaching of his children. Has not all the world been blessed? Have not you, not being a physical descendant of Abraham, been blessed because Abraham believed and obeyed? The scripture tells us that those that are of the faith of Abraham, these are the children of God. I'm glad to be counted amongst their number. How about you? Amen. Amen. That the righteousness of our God and that the faith of Abraham might be ours and to our heritage, is our prayer today for the blessing of Abraham. Let's sing a song together, shall we? Number 482. 482.